what do we need to do to make sure that this, this business owner's visuals align with how they want their brand to be perceived? Because brand photography really is just visual messaging. Like, So if I were shooting a brand session for someone who is not just a service provider, but also a course creator, I need to figure out how can I show that show the services they provide and the courses that they create without just photographing them in front of a laptop. So I have to sit down and get really creative and think about how can we tell that story within the frame. Welcome to another episode of the Light and Dark Photography Podcast. I am your host, John Mansfield. Every week, I bring you conversations with photographers and other creative entrepreneurs who share tips, strategy, and inspiration. So whether you are on the light and airy side or dark and moody or anywhere in between, you're here to help you grow your community, build your business, and create the lifestyle you always dreamed of. Today, my guest is Abby Grace. She is a wedding photographer turned branding photographer. Uh, She's an educator, a speaker, and the host of the Artisan CEO podcast. Um, And on the show today, we are talking about um, how she transitioned uh, from weddings to branding and how you can do that as well. So Abby, I'm excited to talk with you today. Uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I was so excited when we got your email. I cannot wait to dive into this. Yay. Yeah, I cannot wait either. And also, I want to I want to pick a bone with with Instagram for a minute, Okay. because (laughs) Instagram is how how I mostly follow you. I should I should really uh, subscribe to your email list with an email that I check more often. Okay. (laughs) I didn't realize that you had a podcast as well. Cause that's been like a a few months, right? Yeah. So it's actually funny. This is something we've, we just had our Q4 meeting this morning. We're a couple days behind. And that's something that we've been struggling with is like, how do we market the podcast in a way that, um, doesn't make people blind to it, you know, because like, oh my gosh, we get it. You have another podcast episode, but like at the same time, not talking about it at all, which is what we've been doing Uh is also not really a way to grow a podcast either. So it's not your fault that you didn't know we launched it back in (laughs) August and then didn't talk about it again, even though we've been uploading new episodes. So yeah, that's my bad. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause I was like, I I went to your, uh, Instagram and I was like, so many of these I have not seen pop up in my feed because mm-hmm. the algorithm is yep. garbage. Yep. And and then I saw the artisans. CEO. I was like, what? Abby has a podcast. How have yeah. I not heard this? So this is I, actually really good voice <laughs> of customer data for me to know. <laughs> there we go. There we, I'm, I'm glad to help. But yeah. So if you see a spike in your listens uh, for the last couple of days, I just binged every single episode yes. in like a day and a half. Oh, so, good. Great, uh, great episodes, by the way, I feel like, and I should probably write this in a review for your podcast as well, but it felt like, um, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be a uh, positive or not, but it felt like, uh, like early two thousands, like webcam type blog or okay. vlog, I guess. Okay. Where you're just like, you're, you're just speaking to me as the viewer or listener and just it felt like very upbeat and very informative and very um just like chatting with a friend or like you're oh, like good. speaking to your future self or something yeah. and I was just like yeah it's like pulling me in I just wanted to listen to another episode oh I love uh, that so. I it's it's funny we got some like reviews from people like you should read children's books you have a very soothing voice <laughs> like right. interesting feedback maybe a career <laughs> op- career option I've never considered before but yeah you're not getting yeah. the best version today because everyone 
in my family is sick, but you know, maybe for, maybe for the future, that's my retirement plan is to read children's books. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what my wife is wanting to get into because there's a good business of just, um, reading, uh, like being the narrator for audiobooks. Yeah. I would bet, especially with the, how much audible is blown up these days. That makes sense. I mean, that's how I do most of my reading. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I I can either make time to sit and read, which I usually do on airplanes or on Mm -hmm. the beach, Mm -hmm. rarely at home, Mm -hmm. or I can just pop it in my ear Mm -hmm. and then just go throughout the day and and be uh, very prolific in all my readings. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. For me, if I listen to a book on Audible, it's got to be one that like I don't need to take notes on, like something I'm just listening to. Yes. Usually like Audible books for me are more like mindset shift books, kind of like how I treat podcasts. Like I'm not sitting down with a podcast and taking notes. Right. So like I like to highlight in my book. So if it's a book that I want to come back to again and again, I'll usually read it. But otherwise it's Audible. Yep. Same here. Yeah. If, if it's something that I need to sit and take notes, I'm like, I cannot just listen to this. I have to physically read it and, and yeah. And then mark all over the books. Yeah. Yeah. Which I know some people are cringing at that, but like, that's, it's how I, uh, endear myself to the book. Like yeah, we become and also I paid for connected. it. I can put pen marks right. in it if I want to. Yeah. You can do whatever you want with that book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, okay. So Abby, um, could you give us a little bit of background of, uh, where you're based, what you photograph, what you love doing all those things? Yeah. So I am based just outside of Washington, DC. And like you mentioned, I started out shooting weddings. I started in 2009 and then over the last several years, we transitioned into brand photography. And at first I thought it was going to be just like, a, I'll do weddings and brands and maybe eventually over the next like 10 years, I'll pull mm-hmm. back on weddings. Um, and branding took off much more quickly than I was expecting. And, um, the pit that the COVID accelerated the pivot. And so we have, um, two weddings left this month and nice. then I'm done. Um, wow. I shot my last engagement session a few months ago. It was very strange driving home from that and very freeing. And, um, it's been incredible. Like we, we, we made the, the decision to pivot because, um, one, I could just feel myself becoming burned out from weddings. And, and I, I didn't, one of my number one values is integrity. And if I was going to show up to somebody's wedding, I wanted to be a hundred percent there. And I could just feel myself starting to check out. And I was like, that's not fair to my clients who are paying, you know, sometimes 10,000 plus dollars for me to be there. So we need to make sure that wherever I am, that I'm all there and I can't be all there for weddings anymore. Just emotionally, I'm not present anymore. So it's time to start phasing out. Um, and that's not to say like for my exit, like I'm so excited for our two weddings that we have left. And, um, I wanted to be able to continue to be all there. Right. So we decided to phase them out because I could see that becoming a problem. But then also, um, when we became parents, I knew like in the future, I didn't want to spend every Saturday during the best, the best weather of the year, which for us in, in Northern Virginia is like April through June and then September through like early November. I didn't Uh want to spend every single Saturday documenting other people's milestones and missing my own kids, ballet recitals and soccer games. Um, and so we made the trans made the decision to, implement branding photography again, thinking that it would just be like a separate, like a, like another stream of revenue that would help pad easing back from weddings. But like it took off on its own. I did not realize how much of a gift I had for this specific type of photography. And then when things started accelerating, I was like, Oh, I think we can actually completely leave weddings behind. And then we did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I would imagine that that's like, 
almost like leaving a job that you really love, mm. like you leaving that last engagement session and just that bittersweet feeling of like, this was the last one. Yeah. Like, am I, am I going to shoot a couple again for yeah. an engagement and like that kind of feeling, but also the excitement of moving on to something new and different. Yeah. Um, and something where like, I think that's really, um, really self-aware, uh, like that self-awareness that you had of feeling I'm not, I'm not giving my couples my best self or I'm mm -hmm. not as excited as I used to be about mm -hmm. these weddings. And, um, and I know like, yeah, yeah, just the, I'm pretty much in the same, same boat as you were like a couple of years ago yeah. where I'm like my, my oldest is turning eight in a couple of months yeah. and we're getting into like extracurricular sports and stuff where you know i i've missed so many birthday parties because mm -hmm. i've had to shoot weddings on on saturdays which i love the weddings and i love my couples but i'm feeling the same thing of yeah, yeah like my my family has always come first and that was the reason that i started this job and left my other one so that i could be more present with them mm -hmm. and now seasons are changing and yeah. things are shifting around. So business is needing to shift. I can't remember who it was that I was talking to, but it was a well-known photographer. And the reason I can't remember is because several of my clients are well-known photographers, yeah. <laughs> but they said that wedding photography has a shelf life for most people. Yeah. And I was like, Ooh, that's a really interesting way of putting it. I mean, it's hard on your body and it's, um, I think there's also a season of like, for me, my season of life that I was so excited about weddings was because like I had recently be been married and like, I just felt yeah. like I connected with my couples on an interpersonal level much more directly than I do now. Um, and, and, and that's not to say that like, you can't be a wedding photographer if you're not, you know, in your twenties or in your thirties or anything like that. But I just, for me, I'm like, I'm a very passionate person. I'm either, if, I, if it's not a 10, it's a one. Right. And so if I'm yeah. not at a 10, then like I can't fake that. And I refuse to fake that because I, again, number one, number one value is integrity. And so I'm like, if I can't be a hundred percent there, they deserve somebody else who will be, <laughs> which is maybe a little extreme, but like at the same time, I was like, I, I, you are, you are paying this much money for somebody who, who should show up and be all there. And if you can find somebody who can be all there, who, doesn't feel the need to like emotionally be that like it's just like a thing they can turn on or off like great go yeah. for it but for me like we just like like you we did started this business I started this business because I love photography but the reason that my husband and I work together is because we want a business that supports a life that we love and when the life changes the business needed to change with it in order to continue to support that life that we love so like as life changes so so the business does too um yeah in order to work more with that lifestyle. So like, I didn't want to be missing bedtime routines because I was meeting with clients at 8 PM because that was when they were available. I didn't mm. want to be shooting engagement sessions on, you know, in, in the evenings or at sunrise and, and just be like, you miss dinner time or like, you know, you get up at four o'clock in the morning, you shoot a, an engagement session for the cherry blossoms and you're wrecked for the rest of the day. I just, my business recognize, we needed to recognize that our life was taking a new direction. And so because of the vision that we specifically had for the business, the business needed to follow suit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's so good. Like just to constantly be reassessing your your values your priorities and uh as life is changing and as things are shifting do things need to shift in your business as well mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because some people 
like they you know start in your 20s you don't have any kids maybe you're single and you're just loving weddings and then you get into 30s and 40s and you got a family and you're still loving weddings and it's yeah. not interrupting your lifestyle and all that um and you know that's that was amazing. that was my and mentor like that. my mentor yeah. was in his i think he was in his 30s when i was shooting for and i apprenticed under him he's still shooting weddings he and his wife work together they love weddings they're one of those people that can turn it off and turn it on but for me i'm yeah I, it, it can feel all consuming and, um, it just, it just wasn't working, but I was that girl. I started when I was, I was 22 when I shot my first wedding and, um, shot all the way through my twenties and into my early thirties and then realized just this wasn't working anymore. So we changed it and we're really grateful we did. Wow. 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 Right. Isn't it so cool? I was just showing my friend Owen here how easy it is to use Gusto to pay my contractors. Gusto is an all in one platform that helps businesses like yours onboard, pay, insure and support your team. They have it all under one roof. You can use them as I do to pay my contractors easily without added fees or breaking policy agreements. Looking at you, Venmo. If you have full time employees, They've got you covered too. payroll, health benefits, HR, time tracking tools, workers comp, and they submit your tax documents at the end of the year. So great. I love it because I don't have to juggle Venmo, PayPal, Cash App and all the other places. I just have everything through Gusto and it's simply direct deposits into my contractor's accounts. So head to lightdarkco.com slash gusto. And when you send your first paid payroll, you'll receive $100 back. And receiving that much back, you're probably assuming it's hundreds of dollars a month. Oh no, my friend, it is only $6 a month for contractors. So go check out lightdarkco.com slash gusto, G-U-S-T-O. And just like my friend Owen Wilson, you'll be saying... Wow. Has there been like through your career, has there been um, either like a piece of advice or a lesson or something that you've learned that really changed your outlook on your business? Yes. Um, there's that Amy Poehler book. Yes, please. It's the one with where she's like raising her hand on the cover. And she uh-huh. says in the book, good for her, not for me. Um, so like that it's okay to behold other people's goals and say, that's really great that you checked that off. I do not need to feel like I also need to do that. Um, I like one of my biggest struggles is pride and I'm enormously competitive. And so like I would see someone else doing something like, oh, well, they booked a wedding in Mexico. I need to book a wedding in Mexico and I need to not just book one. I need to be the go to destination wedding, wedding photographer Uh for Mexico weddings. And it's like, (laughs) whoa, see what I mean? Like I said, I'm either a one or a 10. That's a 10. Um, And so I like that was causing a lot of strife of like seeing all of these other people getting things that I wanted But then I had to step back and be like, do I actually want those things or do I just want them because she has them? And I think that's what I'm supposed to want. So being able to step back and say, "Okay, good for you, not for me. Mm. I'm going to keep my eyes on my own paper because these are the goals that the Lord has set before me. And this is the vision for our business that the Lord has set before me. And I'm I don't need I can appreciate the magnitude of what that person over there is doing and admire what a cool thing that is for them without also then assigning that to my own goal sheet. Yes. Oh, I love that. I I am very much an achiever and like 
possibly an Enneagram three. I still haven't landed on where I am, but like that's that's very much me where I was seeing other photographers traveling all over the place. I'm like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And then I would see them you know, uh, do really doing anything or like, uh, speakers speaking at, at big conferences. Like, do I need like, to release a course? Should I, need, I have a shop? Like, should I exactly. start a podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's mm-hmm. all those things that everyone else is doing and it's so easy to compare and just be like, that's what I need to do next. Yeah. That looks great. That I'm looks like what that. people who are accomplished do. Therefore I need to do that as opposed to taking the time to sit with 100%. it. Like, is this what's right for me? Do, right. And not just, is this what's right for me? Like emotionally, how do I feel about it? But like, is this going to directly support the goals that we have for our business? Because, you know, I look at some of the people in my mastermind and the things that they're doing to market their business. And I'm like, oh my gosh, do I need to be doing those? And it's like, no, some of those people are running five, $10 million businesses. And like, I don't want to run a $10 million business. I don't want the infrastructure (laughs) that comes with that. I don't want the additional help that would need to come with that. Like I'm happy with the monetary goals that we've set for our business. So I can appreciate good for like, good for you hosting a conference in your, in your industry. I don't need to do that because that doesn't directly feed into the type of goals that we have for our business. So good for you, not for me. Yes. Yeah. And that leads to so much more happiness and contentment with your life. Yeah. Where you're not constantly just like, oh, they're doing this. I also need to be doing that. Yeah. But you can be happy for them and mm-hmm. excited for them and be excited and happy for what you have going on in your life. And there's less of that comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love that. It's it's something my wife says something very similar Um She's, she says, uh, Oh, what does she say? Um, like I'm, I'm so, Oh, what what does she say now? I'm trying to get the right wording. Um, Oh, uh, I'm so happy for you. Like, Mm. or, or that's so, that's so exciting for you where she's like, she is excited for them. Yeah but it's not for her. Um, so just, yeah, just like that, uh, uh, that I think that is such a great mindset to have moving forward. Um, because that keeps you from from also just like spidering off into a mm-hmm. hundred different directions because other people are moving in one direction and you see them moving that one. You're like, I also have to be doing that. Yeah. And then someone else or like, is, is moving. Is this in what I'm one. supposed to be doing? Like our yeah. success, like they are a successful person. Does that does that mean that's what I'm supposed to be doing, too? Yeah. 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 OK. I love that. Okay, cool. So let's talk about branding photography. Like what are some, some of the things that you noticed that you had to change when you transitioned from weddings into branding? Yeah. So the biggest one, because a lot of, I teach a course for brand photographers and most of my students are either wedding or family photographers who are looking Mm. for an off ramp from their current industry, or they're looking to diversify their income. So they want just like another source of income, maybe during the slower months for weddings and, and families. And the number one mindset if issue that we have is people coming in and thinking, well, I can just shoot a brand session like I do a wedding or a portrait session. And it's a completely different approach. Weddings and families are more of a relational documentation. Like you're showing up and you're documenting the relationship between two people, the love, the joy, the excitement of a wedding day. You're documenting the event. At a family session, you may have prompts that you use and poses that you use, but you're you're documenting interpersonal relationships. You're not yeah. creating something new. You're documenting 
what is already there. For brand photography, it's more conceptual image creation. So you're taking this intangible concept and trying to figure out how can I put a tangible visual to that? So it's a different part of your brain. You're not thinking like, well, I'll just show up and shoot whatever's in front of my camera. It's you sit down before the shoot and like storyboard out. What do we need to do to make sure that this, this business owner's visuals align with how they want their brand to be perceived because brand photography really is just visual messaging. Like, so if I were shooting a brand session for someone who is not just a service provider, but also a course creator, I need to figure out how can I show that show the services they provide and the courses that they create without just photographing them in front of a laptop. So I have to sit down and get really creative and think about how can we tell that story within the frame. And so where we see a lot of photographers go wrong when they're coming from a wedding or family background is they're like, well, I'll just photograph them with the tools that they use. They use a laptop, they use a phone, I'll shoot them with their laptop. And that's where you end up with social media feeds flooded with people cheesing at their MacBook Pro, which is boring and forgettable. (laughs) And And so the key difference is learning to approach brand photography like a strategist and a marketer, not just a relational documentarian. You're creating Mm. what's inside the frame, not just documenting what's already there. Yeah. Oh, that is that's such like I mean, like you said, it's a different side of your brain Mm -hmm. because like for me currently mostly shooting weddings, I am going to like I have a game plan going into Mm -hmm. a wedding for sure. Like we have our shot lists, we have things we need to take care of, but it is mostly more documentarian style of I'm going to photograph what's going on. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to shape and mold so much. I mean, there are photographers who do that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's not our job. But as a branding photographer, like you're not, you're not just going to show up and be like, all right, so you have the product on this table. Let me take some photos of like, what it's don't doing worry, on I got the this. I'm great at flat lays. Yes, like, yeah. cause that's what I did. That's what I, my first, my first brand shoot I ever did was for Natalie Frank of the rising tide society. Yeah. And I showed up and I approached it exactly like a wedding photographer. would. I was like, what time do I need to be there? Where are we going? Like who all's going to be there? And like, great. I'm pretty good at styling flat lays. I'll show up and just you know, do that. I'm good at posing people. I'll do that. And so the final result was a gallery of pretty photographs because I'm a good photographer, but like there was no purpose behind any of those images. There was never once did it cross my mind to ask Natalie, what are we trying to say with these photographs? What are you, Mm. what are you trying to communicate to your audience? I knew that Natalie was moving from being a wedding photographer to stepping into her role as a community leader. And then eventually in the future as an author, but never once did it occur to me, how can we craft a photograph that tells the narrative that she is an author or that she is a community leader? It was just like, what's cute, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I can, that's, I feel like that's so much more to go into, um, in the, the front end, like before mm-hmm. yes. branding sessions. Yes. And that's one of the big differences. Like I spend hours researching my clients and creating a shot list. Yes, people, a shot list. It's not a dirty four letter word like it is at weddings. <laughs> and like I come in with a like if it's a full day shoot, usually a two page shot list of ideas that I have come up with to help my clients illustrate what it is they're trying to say. Because what I always say is with brand photography, it's a matter of like 
a brand is when we a successful brand is when you connect the brand owner's intention with audience perception. When those two things are on the same page, we're doing okay. When someone needs a brand session is when your intention for the brand has not aligned with audience perception. Maybe you're trying to portray yourself as a a luxury photographer, but like you're still booking budget weddings. There's a problem. There's a disconnect. So then how can we use your brand photos to bridge that disconnect to help people perceive your brand the way that you intend? Mm, Okay. So how for, for someone who does not have shot list, does not have Mm -hmm. all that, that front end work, how can, like, what are some first steps to maybe move in toward that when planning for a branding session? So are we talking like you have a brand session tomorrow or you have a brand session next week or like three weeks from now? How much prep time do we have? Um, let, let's give us some, some lead time here. So okay. like, like three weeks. Okay. So ask your odd or ask your, I say your audience, your <laughs> client. First of all, you should always have a pre-shoot strategy call. That's one of, that is one of the biggest tools in my toolkit is that pre-shoot strategy call. Um, because that allows me to make sure that the brand owner and I are on the same page. They've already filled out a pre-shoot questionnaire and I use that pre-shoot questionnaire to jumpstart my research. But then that strategy call is like, okay, here are my ideas for your shoot based on the goals that you've told me you're working towards. So the number one question to ask your clients. So, okay, we're working, let me work backwards. You got to shoot three weeks from now, get on the phone with your client as soon as you can. And the number one question to ask them is what are your top three goals in the next six months? Because the purpose of their brand photos is to support those goals. Like those brand photos are a marketing asset for them, for the Mm -hmm. business owner. And so how can we make those marketing assets direct? support your marketing efforts. So if they tell you, okay, um, my top three goals for the next six to 12 months are I'm adding team members. I am um, launching my first course and I'm going to um, rebrand myself as a destination wedding photographer. Okay, great. Then we need to have some travel elements in your shoot. So what can we pull in to start to speak to that travel element? Should we bring a suitcase in? Should we have your passport on hand? Maybe we need to think about shooting this not in your home like we had originally talked about. Three weeks out might yeah. be kind of short notice to do that. But yeah, like what are your goals? And then how can we plan the shoot to support those? That's the number one question that I would suggest asking. And then from that, starting to look at the client's different streams of revenue and how you can build out a shot list that speaks to and supports each of those streams of revenue. So like if they're a speaker, photos that support that, not just them talking to a like talking to their laptop, but like maybe them sketching out a talk or um, reading a book that's all about TED Talk speakers or something like that. If they're a wedding photographer, maybe them packing their bag. If they're a wedding planner, maybe them like working through a mood board for one of their clients or setting a table or something like that. How can you create photographs that support not only their upcoming marketing goals, but also their streams of revenue? Yes. And I love that. Like you mentioned a lot of like the behind the scenes look mm-hmm. into what they're doing mm-hmm. and not the, uh, cause I remember my first branding photo shoot where I was sitting there smiling cheesing, at your laptop, cheesing at my laptop yeah. and yeah. Yeah. And like looking yeah, over the camera it, every okay. now and then just <laughs> cheersing my coffee yep. and yeah. And those were fine. They, they got likes mm-hmm. and everything on Instagram, but yeah, they didn't move my business forward in any well and the thing is is that they don't stand out and the whole purpose of no. like and I, and I think that those photos of, of people on their laptops like I still take a couple of those at every brand shoot because they're helpful to have in your library in case you ever need a photo of you at work right. but like the, at the same time the point of a brand shoot is to help put a face to the visual like put visuals to your messaging 
and to help you stand out. And so if all we ever shoot is more photos that blend into the existing social media landscape, you're not really doing anything to help your client other than giving them gray matter to put all over their website. Um, And I say gray matter. I feel like that's something. Doesn't Hercule Poirot use that to talk about your brain? He calls it your gray I think matter. So. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, <laughs> like, just forgettable, like fodder. You know, it's just fodder for your website, yes. and it doesn't do anything to help connect you to your target audience. And so it's like, yeah. how can we take things a step further and not just think about, well, what's like, what's the very literal interpretation of this part? Like, okay, you're a watercolor artist here you are holding a paintbrush. Like you can tell yeah. they're a watercolor artist because they have a paintbrush in their hand. Like, could we document the process of, of mm. create, not just the tools that it takes, but the process? Um, yes, include the product, but also what does it take to get to that final product? That's an important part to document as well. Yeah. Cause like, that's what intrigues me. Like listening to uh, like the, how I built this podcast mm-hmm. or like the, uh, like the show, what is it? How it got made or, something mm-hmm. something similar where mm-hmm. that like it's going through like just uh making a pencil i mm-hmm. don't have any pencils i have pens now but like going through uh how like where the the graphite uh, came wood, from and where the lead and the wood and yeah all, yeah mm-hmm. like all of those different things and moving through that, like that is what's interesting to me mm-hmm. and what would what would stop my scroll mm-hmm. as i'm going through and not just someone holding a pencil. Yeah. Uh, just it's like, like same, 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 two. same different. Like what's the yes. thing that's going to make it different and make it stand out. And you telling a story within the frame is going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why my work started standing out. Like I started doing brand photography in a way that nobody else had done it before. And I didn't realize it at the time. Um, but it, when it started to take on a life of its own and we started getting inquiries from like Caitlin James and Mary Morantz, and you look at that and you're like, what's happening here? (laughs) Right. Why is this happening? And it's because there was a story being told within the frame, whereas everyone else was just settling for the very literal interpretation of she's a watercolor artist. You can tell because here she is holding a paintbrush. Whereas mine, my photographs were the, the, the brand was, you know, bled into every corner of the frame. And I didn't realize I was doing it at first until I had to teach my process because I used to teach as a wedding photographer. We had a wedding photography course and I love teaching. But when we transitioned to brand photography at first, I was like, no, 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 I don't want to teach that. Like, this is my thing. I'm like, I'm the only one who shoots like this. I like that. I'm the right. only one who shoots like this. Caitlin James, sweet Caitlin was like, Abby, don't you think there are a lot of other photographers in the world who could really benefit from what you teach to like shoot their local small businesses who probably would never have hired you in the first place. And I'm like, yes, Caitlin. <sighs> You are right. Yes. (laughs) So when I started breaking down the process to teach it, I realized, oh, this is what makes it stand out is there's a story being told from all the way from the background of the frame. Like we call it the five layers of depth. It's the background, your backdrop, your background details, the outfit, the um, foreground details, and then pose, action and expression. When you can incorporate the brand voice, the brand vibe, the brand visuals into all five of those layers, that's Mm -hmm. when your brand photography starts to take it to the next level. Yes. Oh, because there's like there's so much more to think of than just like a pretty headshot. Yes. And. Yeah, the 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 layering is what really like when I'm thinking of photos that I've seen, you know, yours and like uh, international brands of, you know, on commercials and stuff. It's not just a photo like Coca-Cola is not just a photo of a Coke 
with mm-hmm. a black backdrop. And you know, no, it's somebody nice, on a pair of like, roller skates with a Coke in their hand. And they're like, why? Because Coke equals happiness. Coca-Cola equals yeah. happiness. And yeah. they're telling that story with the person, with what they're wearing, with what they're doing, with what's going on in the background of the frame. There's so much. When we settle for only the basic tools, like I'm a photographer, you can tell because I'm holding a camera, you're leaving so much on set and you're not doing anything other than establishing these are the very basic tools of the trade. Guess what? There are like 50,000 other photographers in the United States who also use an R6 and a 50 millimeter 1.2. That doesn't make you different. Like your MacBook Pro, your 15.5 inch silver MacBook, Pro is not a unique selling proposition. So why are we photographing brand portraits that only show the tools that we use when that's not doing anything to help you stand out? There's more to the story there. And when we don't tell it, we're doing our clients a disservice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's comfortable. It's easy because Mm -hmm. that's what you see everywhere. And and that's easy to shoot. And often your clients are not going to know that they need something different unless they see. Yeah. And I think photographers have to learn that something different is possible. I don't ever think that it's a photographer, like whatever, I'm just going to mail this one in. Like I think it's photographers who don't realize there's a different way to do things. And this is where I think wedding photographers get tripped up is you get wedding photographers are very good at what they do at weddings. And like, well, I know how to use a camera. I know people I'll just apply what I know about weddings to brand photography without realizing there's a change in mentality. That's got to happen there. If you want to create scroll stopping brand photos, if you want to create brand photos that blend into the background and are just fodder for social media that don't don't really get noticed. Yeah, you can do what you know. You can take what you know about weddings and apply that to branding. But if you want to stand out and furthermore, help your clients stand out, because that's your job as a brand photographer is to help your clients stand out so they can sell more to the people yeah. who need what they're offering, then you have to change how you're thinking. You have to pivot from thinking like a relational documentarian to thinking like a marketer, thinking like a strategist, like a brand expert. Yes. Okay. I love that. This has been like so packed full of, of so many <laughs> it's good things. It's one of my things. favorite topics. I don't know if you can tell. I Oh yeah. Yeah. I can tell. Uh, but yeah. Could we, could you like do like maybe a little summary for, cause we've talked about like the, uh, the, the early on questionnaire to really get what the, uh, what your client is going to be using these for. And then also the marketing aspects and all that. Could we do like a quick summary of, like some good steps to take forward from like, like workflow perspective or. Oh, like from, from anyone who's transitioning out of, of weddings or families or any other type of photography into this, some steps that they can put into place, like how to start to move your business towards. Correct. Okay. So the way that I always think about it is, I don't know if you ever learned to drive, drive manual, but my dad Uh always used a visual with his hands of like one, like almost like a seesaw. So like, as you start to release the clutch, you have to start to push the accelerator. And then once you feel the, the, the gear catch, then you can release the clutch and push down on the accelerator. And it's like, if you're listening to the podcast episode, I've got my two hands and I'm moving them back and forth, kind of like paddles. Um, and so it's a gradual, I like, we didn't just be like, you know what, I'm not going to shoot weddings anymore and stop taking weddings and start booking brand photos. And then everything was daisies. It was a gradual process. And so for anybody who wants to transition, let me just tell you, it's going to take a little while because it's going to take a second for that gear to catch. Mm. Um, 
And so the most important thing that you can do is talk about it. Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. If this is a new offer that you want to introduce, a consistent offer that you want to do more of, it needs to become part of the messaging that you use to tell the story of your business. So let's say you're a wedding photographer and you're in Boise, Idaho, and you specialize in Idaho weddings um, and your couples love that you um, have a, like a dark and moody vibe, okay? So that's, that's one of your messages. You're a wedding photographer. Another message is that you're in Boise, Idaho. And then uh, maybe another message is your organic approach and dark and moody editing style. If you want to be a brand photographer, brand photography becomes now another storyline that you need to tell over and over and over again on your social media, like lather, rinse, repeat, 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 repeat. Um, and so it's not enough to just talk about it one time and be like, Hey everyone, I'm doing brand photos. And then nobody books you. And you're like, why didn't anyone book me? Cause people need to be exposed to a message between four and 28 times before they finally take action on it. So you yeah. have to talk about it. Um, and okay. So the best way to start talking about it is to get yourself some beta clients. I teach this in my course. This is what I recommend any new photographer or any new brand photographer does. Do not put the offer out there. Like, Hey everyone, I'm shooting a bunch of free sessions. I don't recommend it giveaway. I don't recommend mm. like, don't put it out there that you're doing a model search. You instead intentionally approach. I approached three, three business owners ended up shooting two beta sessions. Beta sessions are really just a chance for you to like get some momentum to practice your craft without the pressure of a full paying client. So beta sessions are approaching a business owner who has the type of business that you would like to shoot more of. So maybe you would really, really love to photograph for realtors or interior designers, or you want to photograph for artisans, um, approach two to three of those and say, listen, this is what I'm, 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 um, launching this new offer within my business. And I'd like to get some more material into my portfolio. And I noticed that you recently added a new team member or, or you guys moved to a new warehouse or, um, you're new in town. I would love to, the, some, there's gotta be some kind of trans, uh, some kind of transformation that you can offer them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So approach a business owner that you would love to shoot more of who also has a need for brand photography, some kind of transformation that you can offer them. And the reason for that is it's gotta be valuable for them. You can't just approach them and ask them, Hey, let me do a favor for you. Or no, sorry. Hey, you do a favor for me and let me shoot your brand photos because they're not going to take it as seriously. They're not going to devote the time to it that you need them to devote. This has got to be mutually beneficial for both of you. So, hey, I'm doing this new offer. Um, I noticed this thing in your business and don't make it sound like an insult. Like I noticed that your existing brand photos are really terrible and I thought I could take right. some more free. Don't say that. Um, whatever trans transformation you want to offer them. Um, I would love to work with you to collaborate with you on a brand shoot. Is this something you'd be interested in? Here are the parameters of what I'm offering. Um, is this something that you would be interested in? Like ask for a yes or no, just end the email with that. And then generally they will get back to you and say, yes, I would love that. And then you treat it like a real session. You sign a contract. Um, for me, I did not charge for those two beta sessions that I did. And because of that, I felt a lot more freedom to direct the shoot. Like, I want you to book this location. Right. I would like for you to purchase these props. Um, or can you send me photos of your outfits, what you're thinking of wearing? Because I would like to have a, just a little bit of input on those. Um, and mm. then you treat the session like a real session. You have them fill out some kind of questionnaire. You, you do a pre-shoot strategy call. You treat them like a real client 
because then they'll be more likely to take the process seriously. But then you also get a feeling for what it's going to look like when you work with a paying client. And then when you finally put the offer out there, you've got a more padded portfolio. You have a proven process. Um, you have shown people, not only is this something that I'm offering, I can show you that I've already done it for other people. Cause you think about it as a wedding photographer, you try to sell albums and you don't have a sample album to show people, people don't buy your albums. They want to be able to see what it is that they're going to get. So when you can show them past brand sessions that you've done for other people, that's your, that's your sample album. Right. Um, and Mm. so then you launch the offer tell, like make a big deal about it on social media and put a page on your website. It's got to have a page on your website. So beta clients talk about them on social media as you're going throughout the process. I feel like I'm throwing a lot at you guys right here. I hope this is helpful, but when you're, yeah. When you're walking through it with your clients, like take a, take an Instagram real quick. Be like, I just got off my strategy call with this client. You don't have to tell people they're not paying you. I mean, if you want to charge for them, go for it. I did not charge um, for my beta clients, but I didn't publicize that I wasn't, well, except for right now. I didn't publicize that I wasn't (laughs) being paid by them. And the problem is when you put out like, Hey everyone, I'm doing some beta sessions. Who wants to apply to be my beta clients? You are putting out there that you're shooting for free, which cheapens the ultimate final product that you end up offering and people aren't going to necessarily want to pay full price because they know you offered it to somebody else for free. So don't publicize that you did it for free. But along the way, like, Hey, I'm so excited. I just got off my strategy call with this business owner. We're shooting in this town next week at this venue. It's going to be so amazing. Can't wait. I'll take you guys along with me. And then the day before show them how you're prepping. I have a production binder. It's like weirdly Instagram famous that like every time I show the production binder, people were like, what's in the production binder? Like if you have something like that, that you can put together to show people like I'm, I'm prepping for, you know, Jenny's shoot for tomorrow. I really can't wait. Like here's what's, you know, I'm, I've got my binder all prepped with my shot list. And then on the day of like show snippets from it, like when you talk about it, you make it a normal thing. It's not weird for it to be. It's yeah. like, it's not like it's coming out of left field. And the more you talk about it, the more people will start their ears will start to perk up like, oh, brain photography. I hadn't thought about hiring someone, but like, I really like what you did for that business owner. I wonder what you could do for me. Let them in on that process side of things. So you, while you're documenting the process for your clients, you also document the process for yourself, which then uh-huh. starts to pique other people's interest. Yes. Yeah. And that like, it's moving and showing all that behind the scenes takes that uh, like that the you know uh, taking off the gas pedal or off the clutch and putting on the gas like you were saying instead of like that abrupt like hey i'm no longer taking uh family photos i am now a branding photographer and people are like wait but i've been following you because you take family photos and like uh, what am i doing here anymore yeah and yeah i and i think that's so good and like yeah like you said you were just like dropping bombs just like (laughs) every every like fifth word i'm just like uh i like i am gonna take so many notes from this someone recently Um, told me i talk faster than a gilmore girl and i'm like first of all just listen faster but second of all you can slow it down and listen to it at like 0.75 speed exactly yeah and and then i will just sound like i'm drunk right (laughs) here and like <laughs> but yeah, no, Abby, that was so good. I I love all of that, it, like the very practical information and steps of how to prepare and how to move forward and not just go in blindly. Um, mm. And I, I love the what you were saying about the the beta um, uh, beta clients, uh, beta clients, mm-hmm. and uh, and that it's okay to do work for free, but don't advertise that. And don't let that be an ongoing thing either. 
Right. Yeah. Not like, okay, well, I did two and then I had five others in choir and they want to be beta. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep doing this. And that's the thing. Like, I do not accept like that was always a a general for me as a wedding photographer, too. Like if someone asks for a discount, I don't give them. But if I personally felt called to give someone a discount, like let's say you have a wedding couple and their wedding's been rescheduled three times because the bride had breast cancer. Like if I'm personally like, I feel really like I really connect with them. I'm going to offer that to them. Different story. But when someone comes in asking for someone asks to be a beta client for you, I would suggest that you not take them up on that because Uh it probably indicates that they do not intend to pay you in the future, which is one of the cool parts of brand photography is like I have returning clients. I've shot for Ashlyn Carter four times. I've shot for Wendy Conklin of Chair Whimsy three times. Like most of my clients return for another shoot. You don't necessarily get that same thing when it comes to wedding photography, unless you're also offering families and newborns, which I never did. And so you want, when you're going into these relationships, like, is this someone I could shoot for in the future? Is this someone I would want to shoot for in the future? Keeping that in mind as you're approaching your beta clients too. Yes. Yeah. And like you said, whenever, uh, you're advertising the free like model call it cheapens what you're providing Mm -hmm. and it also puts that in the minds of other people that oh you did this for free Mm -hmm. for them you know i could probably get a discount or something because you're new at this so you're going to need this portfolio yep Um, and you're i'm not gonna trust you because you're new at this yeah and i don't know if you're good at this yet yes exactly and the cool thing about using beta clients is that when you finally do launch your offer with a portfolio with more than like one face in it you know because you know you've seen people who are like i'm offering this new thing and here's the one session that i shot and you're like i don't know that that's next necessarily like a proven offer yet you yeah so by being able to launch your portfolio with several different faces in it you can launch your offer at full price you don't have to do that slow ramp up thing where you charge introductory prices and eventually maybe a year down the road you're charging what you want to you can launch the offer at full price when you use when you when you have a portfolio that's robust and and shows that you can back up what you're saying you offer yeah yeah and that's what we want to do we want we don't want to do the slow gradual like, no you already did that with wedding there. photography you don't need to start exactly. like getting started with brand photography doesn't have to mean starting over and no. you can like if you're wise and strategic about how you begin to introduce the offer and you talk about it and you you treat it with the same professionalism that you treat your existing wedding or family photography work, then people will accept like you can transfer Cal Newport in his book. Um, so good. They can't ignore you talks about the concept of career capital that when you're moving from one industry to another, what kind of rare and valuable skill do you have that can transfer from one to the other? So like if you go from being on Wall Street to being a yoga instructor, chances are there's not like a lot of overlap there but when you're going from wedding photography to brand photography or family photography to brand photography there's a lot of career capital there that you can transfer from one to the other but you have to like you have to approach the new offer with the same amount of professionalism so like if you're at the top of the the food chain when it comes to wedding photography do not start at the bottom of the food chain with brand photography and furthermore you shouldn't have to you should be able to move from the top of one chain to the top of the next or at least to the middle top of the next one because you have a rare and valuable skill that's already there. It's just a matter of cultivating the message and cultivating the brand around it. So that people understand you are just as good, just as good at branding as you are at weddings, or they can expect a similar experience with brandings as you've taught them to expect with weddings. 
Yes. Yes. Oh man. Listeners take that encouragement. Like I, I am, I'm feeling pumped like to get out there and, and do my next branding session. Like I'm feeling, I'm feeling more excited about doing that now. Um, and I was already excited to do it before. So that's like, I'm just like next level. So Abby, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Um, before we get into kind of like the end where people can find you and, and listen to your podcast and all that, um, there's part of the show that I like to do where we talk about what we're loving this week. Yeah. Um, so it could be, you know, a book, TV show, movie, uh, a new food, whatever. Um, is there something that you're loving this week? Yeah, I just bought David Hooper's um, book, 101 Podcast Templates that I've been diving Ooh. into. Have you heard of his book? I have not. OK, so Raymond Hatfield sent me a copy of the book Big Podcast, which ah, was, that was, a, that was a big book. Yes, yeah, a big book. <laughs> It's like double spaced. It's fine. Um, But it was amazing. And so after I read this, I went on Amazon and found his other book, 101 Podcast Templates. So I've been diving into that just to like further my sort of understanding of how podcasts work. And um, so I'm really loving that. I'm also rereading the book Deep Work by Cal Newport. He's my favorite artist. He also wrote the book So Good They Can't Ignore You. So Deep Work and the 101 Podcast Template episodes are what I'm loving. Okay, awesome. I am also loving a book this week. Um, I am finally reading uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's so good. It's so good. Read Deep Work after that. Okay, I will. I will definitely read Deep Work after that. Um, But yeah, like it's been suggested to me time after time and people have always talked about it. I'm like, "Uh, I'm pretty good at, you know, you know, building good habits and sticking to those (laughs) and everything. And then like in the first chapter, I'm like, Oh no, I am not good at this at all. Like this is going to transform everything. And I need to reread that one idea of habit stacking and all that. Like Mm -hmm. I'm already starting to implement it into my daily life. And uh, yeah, so it's, is a really good book. There's Um, a reason it's been on top of the like New York times bestseller for like eight years. I mean, not eight years, but like a long, long, long time. yeah, it is constantly up there because um, it's, it's just really good. So mm-hmm. awesome. Well, we got lots of books for y'all in today's episode. Um, I'll have links to all that in the show notes for everyone. Um, and I'll also have links to uh, to all these places that uh, people can find you. Where can they find you, Abby? Yeah, if you want to come check out my podcast, is that OK to say I'm still new to the like telling other Do people it. about your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it's the Artisan CEO. You can find it on all your favorite places to watch podcasts, but to watch, to listen to podcasts i stare uh, at my phone while i'm listening to podcasts so it's okay <laughs> um and then you can also find me on instagram at abby grace photo i'd love to connect with y'all there awesome well cool yeah i will have links on there and yes definitely go listen to abby's podcast like i said i binged the whole uh, i don't know you've got like 12 what, episodes eight, 10, 12 yeah <laughs> it's it's uh, it's very good so Thank uh, you. if you love today's episode with everything that abby shared you're gonna love her podcast oh uh, thanks so. so much john i appreciate yeah. it yeah Absolutely. Well, Abby, thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation today. This was great. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Light and Dark Photography Podcast. As always, you can check out all the things in today's episode in the show notes at lightdarkco.com slash podcast slash 144. This podcast was recorded in front of a live Facebook audience. Join us for the next live episode by joining the light and dark photography podcast group on Facebook. You can follow the show on Instagram at light dark co Abby is at Abby grace photo. And you can find me 
at All Heart Photo. Subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Leave us a review. I would love to read what you are getting out of this podcast. Plus, reviews help us get more guests and to reach more photographers and entrepreneurs who can benefit from what our guests say. Until next week, I'll see you in the Facebook group. Bye, y'all.